Welcome to the Rescue Church Podcast. This is Pastor Sarah Levecki, and this is the recording of our most recent Sunday sermon. We hope you enjoy. All right. Now, I got to give you, I'm going to come at you a little different today, but the scripture is very clear. Uh, the scripture credits Father, Son, and Holy Spirit with the resurrection of Christ. Mark Sharona says this, that we talk community. God is community. God is fully in unity with himself. <laughs> this is a picture of a healthy family. A healthy family is they are moving together. And so there's no strife or friction or resistance. They're using their power, the influences, their intentions, and their resources to move in the same direction. So if my daughter slaps one of her brothers, I say, well, hold on. Do you see mom slapping me? No. Do I slap mom? No. So we're not going to slap each other in the face because that's not how we interact with each other in this house. So since we have a corporate unity in how we treat each other and how we speak to each other and how we move, that becomes the standard for which my children must uphold uh, that type of behavior because that's what's being modeled to them. When they're screaming at each other, I said, have you ever heard me scream at your mother one time in my life? You have never heard me scream at your mother. So you can't scream at each other. So, so this, this, is, this, is, this is very important because many of you come from, and many, many of us, I should say, come from highly dysfunctional families. <laughs> highly dysfunctional. And then you, you, you married someone who was dysfunctional, and then they came from a dysfunctional family. So what happens is dysfunction becomes normal until your mind is renewed. And until God says, no, that's not normal. The way you interact, the way you saw your parents interact, that's not normal. No, that's, that's, dis, that's dishonorable. That's not how you're going to interact. Or the way you see people, uh, you know, being afraid of lack, that's not honorable. And so this is, you, so the father brings us in to his family to absorb our dysfunction and to bring healing to us and to model unity and to model harmony and to model peace and to show us that this is how a kingdom family operates. So this is important because what's happening here is when you see God doing his main stuff, his main movements such as creation, what does God say? Let us make man in our image, us. Plural. One God, three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In this church, we are heavily Trinitarian. Holy Spirit is a person. He's not an it or a thing. And if you want to get victory in your life, I suggest you get a nice relationship with Holy Spirit because without Holy Spirit, you're going to be in a real mess of trouble. That's one thing. The second thing is uh, mission. Who will go for us? Remember that? Isaiah 6. God is looking for someone to represent him. He says, who will go for us? Plural. This is important. And then, as, as we've spoken about with the resurrection, okay, let's talk about Jesus' baptism. Jesus' baptism, that's a, that's a family reunion. Father is speaking from heaven. Holy Spirit is coming upon the physical body of Jesus of Nazareth, who is fully God and fully man, and he's stepping into his vocation, but not outside of the timing and the approval of his Father. Jesus ministered from approval, not for approval. The father said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He hasn't done anything yet except wait. See, waiting is something that pleases the father because we don't have a propensity to wait. If you don't learn to wait, you'll pay. How do I know? Trust me, I know. <laughs> I had a PhD in dumb. Self-inflicted wounds that I could not blame on my mommy or daddy. So anyway, that was all free. So God is always working together with himself for his own purposes. God is not... So, so you know, in, when you have a dysfunction, what happens is there's always a push and a pull. There's never a harmony. But in, in healthy, when, you're, when your house is healthy, when your marriage is healthy, what happens is the people are helpful. 
So someone does, like on my, 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 my wife's birthday, she calls me and goes, what do you need today? See, that, that's an example of someone who is coming alongside of her. She's coming, her. she's coming alongside of me and saying, what do you need today? I said, today's your birthday. I don't, I, you know. But she knows that if she helps me, her life is better. So if I'm moving in the direction of the kingdom, her life is better. If she resists that, her life is worse. Why would you resist making your life better? This is many people are unaware. They think that God is going to leave them and forsake them and somehow they have to cling to what they want and how they want it when they're realizing that they're, they're cutting themselves vastly short. In my own capacity and strength, I would not be going to Brazil tomorrow. With the Lord's grace and with the Lord's help, I'm going to Brazil tomorrow. But, the, the, you know, that doesn't, that's not free. It, there's a cost involved. It's spring break. Everyone, a lot of people, uh, you know what teachers do? This is interesting. Uh, their whole thing is when, when is summer coming? We, Brad, Brad doesn't get a whole summer to sit home. And I don't get a summer because I, I get phone calls with everybody. And my wife doesn't sit home in the summer. She works. So imagine the climax of your job being I can't wait to sit home. How how you think you're going to do a job well like that? And then we're giving our kids to this mentality. And that's not even the sexualization of our kids. That's just a mentality. So, so these mentalities, we have ungodly ideas and mentalities. My, this is her, her spring break. Yeah, she's going to be cleaning the house, watching kids while her husband is gone, preaching the gospel, doing the thing. My point is when you step up and say, yes, there is wear and tear. There is mileage on that. It's not easy. It's not free. It's not like, oh, that's great, honey. You know what it's like to have three kids all day? <laughs> Some of you are going to find out. Amen. But it's a blessing. But my, what is my point? My point is that when someone steps out, other people have to step up. But that is the harmony and that is the unity of moving in the kingdom. I want to give you hope that your life will be a better life submitted to Jesus than doing things your way. And until you're convinced of that, you will not run after that. You will run after your way. And I'm telling you, I tried it. It's, it's really a real waste of time and energy. Now, I want to talk to you about resurrection and reality because everything, when we talk faith, everything really starts with Abraham. God was looking for someone to be his friend. I'm going I'm to show you something that Jesus mentioned about Abraham, which is fascinating because the people that talk about you, the people that talk about you, are the people also that help determine where your life will go. It would, be, it would be very gracious if God dropped your name in someone's spirit. And they say, I, I overnighted you a check. You know, I, I didn't put it in the mail. I overnighted it because you're important. You're on the heart of God. When God puts your name in someone's heart, in someone's mouth, when God, when God begins to do something for you that you cannot do in your own strength, your confidence is not in you, it's in Him. So Jesus is going to talk about Abraham in a few minutes, and I, and I want to read that to you, but God's looking for a friend. So God calls this guy from Padam Aram, which is modern-day Iraq, and He says, get out of your father's house. The, the first thing that faith understands and realizes is that you cannot stay where you are. So if you're comfortable where you are, listen to me. Shake yourself off. There's more. Shake yourself off. Dust yourself off. And, and realize there's more for you. I don't care how much you have. I don't care. There's more. Number one. So Abram, Abraham, uh, Abram at this time responds to God. And so watch what happens. This is in 15. Let me, let me give you 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. I am your exceedingly great reward. But Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless? 
And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Then Abraham, uh, then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This one shall not be your heir. In other words, your plan is not the plan. We, we have a default mode called last resort. And if you want to serve the purposes of the kingdom, you know what you have to do? Remove plan B. If you ever listen to Heidi Baker, Heidi Baker laughs and goes, <laughs> I have no plan B. It's Jesus. <laughs> this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. From your own body, your seed, from you. Then he brought him outside and said, look, look to heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said, so shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. So Abram is old, really old, past 80 at this point. When God started with him, he was 75. So God's not done with you. And... In, 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 this, in this deep encounter with God, God is going, I am your exceedingly great reward. I am your shield. And he's like, what are you going to give me? Which is really smart. Can I tell you why it's smart? Because if you're going to deal with your pain and you're going to deal with your lack, you better deal with it in the presence of God with someone that has the power to do something with your pain. No one wants to hear you complain about your life and all that stuff. No offense. Complainers do not have powerful relationships with powerful people. They gravitate toward losers who can't help them. I wouldn't even consider, I'm going to tell you this, I wouldn't even consider calling my pastor and complaining to him and wasting his time. I wouldn't even consider it. It wouldn't, even, it wouldn't even come into my mind because it's a complete waste of time. Because I'm complaining to someone who is not assigned to change the situation. Who would I complain to? Jesus. Where am I going to take the pain to? Jesus. Now, I'm not saying you can't call me and share your feelings. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that when I have a problem, if I have a, a problem with Citibank, I don't call Schwab. When you, you have to go to what is the, who, can, who has the power and who has the authority to fix the problem. So Abram does that. He's like, listen, you know, I got no, I got no kids, man. I, don't you understand that someone who does not come from me is going to inherit everything that you gave me? God said, that's not the plan. That's your plan. Where, where did he get that from? God didn't give him that. We have a habit of being willing to settle for less than what God wants to do. There's no testimony in that. There is a testimony in that you were all old and, and nasty and God showed up and you had a child. <laughs> all right, watch this. Now, this is something. This is something because everyone in his household was proving grounds. He was getting, God was preparing him for promise. Watch this. Genesis 18. We're going to get into the resurrection. Don't worry. Genesis 18. Then the men rose from there and looked towards Sodom. And Abraham, he's Abraham now, went with him, sent them to the way. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? Look at that. Could you imagine being God's friend? Where God says, should I hide from Julius what I want to do? Should I hide from DK what I want to do? Should I hide? God is always looking for a friend. Sign me up. God is always looking for someone to share his heart with that people don't listen. They want to say, I need this, I need that, I need this, I need that, I need that. Just quote four scriptures to you. Good night, Jesus. <laughs> Bless Aunt Susie. 
And like, imagine if I did that to you. I just, and then I just hang up on you. It's like, well, that's how, that's how sometimes our prayers look. It's crazy. We look crazy. We look mental. But God is always looking for a friend. And the Lord says, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation. Do you see that? He got no kids. He has Ishmael, who in, in Genesis 22, you find out that God says, give me your only son, Isaac. <laughs> if it's not covenant, God doesn't recognize it. <laughs> that's, another, that's another thing there. Anyhow, okay. Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I, watch this, this is what it comes down to. For I have known him, see that? In order that he may command, say command. command. Say command. command. This is a pushback here on the culture. You can't tell me what to do. All right. Don't marry someone who can't tell you what to do. For those of you who are unmarried, if you're married, it's too late. If you're not married, do not marry someone who can't tell you what to do. If you don't want someone to tell you what to do, don't marry them. That is very free. And I will save myself phone calls. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they may keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice that the Lord may bring, watch this, to Abraham what he has spoken to him. The Lord says, now I know that you're going to become great and mighty. How do I know that? Because I know that you will command your household well. So the condition of God bringing the word upon him is that he will command his household well. The household is proving grounds for the calling. If the household is not in order, you cannot move freely. Because instead of finding help and refuge in the household, it's a place of chaos and dysfunction. And then Jesus said, your enemies will be that of your own house. If you don't get the house in order... The house will oppose you. So God said, I'm going to bring this word upon him because he will command his household well. So there's a contingency. There, there is a condition to the prophecy. People think, I just got a prophetic word and all of a sudden it's going to happen. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you're going to actually have to participate with the word, submit to the word, and live from the word, and order things after the word. That means that the word comes first. Not my feelings come first. Not my comfort comes first. The word comes first. So God said, look, I, I, I'm going to bring this upon him because of this. Now, at this point, he does not have any children of promise. He has slaves that he had taken from battle. He has an army of trained men. He's got a guy who thinks he's his heir. God said, through the way he navigated the household, that he could bring upon what he had promised him, that he could, if you cannot run a household correctly, how are you going to be a father to nations? How can you father nations if you can't rule your household? Okay, it's very quiet. Let's, let's move out of there. Okay. So now, anyway, this is, this is something. Now, watch this. Luke, I'm going to make a reference to Luke because Jesus tells a story. I'm going to try to do this in a reasonable amount of time. No promises. And this guy's standing up. He's got me amped up too now. He's, he's <laughs> so, so, okay. Now, Luke 16, uh, there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, and he fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus. Look, look, look at this. Look at how God is. The rich man has no name. 
Lazarus does. Interesting. 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 Okay. Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. So this is really something. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. Are you crazy? This guy is so entitled, he thinks that he should be served in hell. Nobody's in hell who doesn't want to be there. Imagine being in hell and thinking that this poor, this poor guy should come and serve you. That's how, it, 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 this is the spirit of it. Like when, you're, when your mind is entitled, you are, you are delusional. We live in a delusional generation of entitled people. Anyway, okay. For I am tormented in this flame. So it seems that this is, in Jesus' story, this, is, this didn't happen, this is a parable, but in Jesus' story, it seems as if hell, you are conscious, and it's hot. Now I know that this is just Jesus talking. I'm sorry. I'm sure that in Bible school they can give you a better opinion than Jesus. You know, like, so sorry. So anyway, okay. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great goal fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot. So it's like in heaven, this is how people are. We, in heaven, there's people that would like want to go to hell to like help people. <laughs> it's like, that's why they're in heaven. You know, it's like, <laughs> and then this guy's in hell. He thinks that this guy should come serve him. And it's like, that's why you're in hell, pal, you know. <laughs> so anyway, uh, but you cannot, you cannot pass. So, so it seems as if you are consciously aware of a very bad situation. Let's just leave it there. Then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that they may testify to them, lest they also should come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. But if one goes to them from the dead, they, they will repent. But he said to them, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. Okay. This is Jesus talking. People are like, all you need is an encounter with God. Well, that's only half true. Solomon had two encounters with God and he just still destroyed himself. So, yes, you need an encounter with God, but you know what you really need to learn how to do? Steward your own heart that God gave you. Who said that? Solomon. <laughs> Who's the hardest advice to take? What you already know to do. The most brutal advice I get is from myself. <laughs> the hardest person to impress me. <laughs> it's like the most difficult person I live with. <laughs> uh, well, that's... Interesting. But I am, I am, we are, we are like, we know what intuitively, what we should be doing. That's why when we're not doing it, we come like, oh, well, you know. Well, we know full well, and we choose to do otherwise. So now this is just, let's just put, put this in, in perspective. This is a parable. This did not really happen. Just so you know, that's what a parable is. Jesus is telling a story. Imagine, this, is, this to me is very moving emotionally. I don't really do a lot of feelings, but this is a feeling that I'm like, wow, that's amazing. 
Imagine Jesus making you the chief in his story. <laughs> Are, you, Are you with me? Someone's alive? Sister Tina's with me on this one? So, so Jesus tells a story, and the head main character, the, the main character in Jesus' story, the one who sits in judgment, is Abraham. The father of the righteousness that is by faith. See, God always goes back to the origin. Where did this all begin? Abraham. God doesn't go to Moses where God gave the law because the righteousness of God that is by faith comes before the law. Because faith, it transcends. Of course you'll be obedient if you have real faith. Saving faith is always obedient and seeks to be obedient. People are like, well, you say my works are faith. That's the wrong question. <laughs> it's not even, if you ask the wrong question, you'll get the wrong answer. You're saved by grace through faith, but God puts grace toward us so that we can put faith in him. And when there's real faith in him, the greatest desire is to be faithful to him. So obedience is the natural desire. When Paul was given apostleship, it was to make people obedient to the faith. That's why people don't want to stay here because there's people that want to do whatever the heck they want to do. They're not going to stay here because this is a church not about anything except obedient faith. This is not, we're not, this is not a social club. I'm not into social clubs. Anyway, what faith believe, believes, hope expects, patience waits for, and perseverance works toward. All right, I'm going to give you a few more scriptures, and then this situation shall come to an end. But look at, look at, look at this. There's a connection between the resurrection and how we regard the written scripture. I don't know if you saw that. So the request of the rich man is like, listen, I got five brothers. I don't want them to go to hell. Would you be willing to send someone uh, to show them the reality of this place so that they don't have to come to this place? So it seems that there's even a consciousness in the rich man in this place of torment. It seems that there's regret. It seems that there's desire. It seems that there's all the human emotions that you find here. He's still filled with entitlement and thinks the poor guy, the poor guy should come serve him. So there is a connection with the resurrection and how we respond to the written word of God. I cannot tell you how important it is for you to have a genuine and ongoing and authentic and consistent relationship with the word of God. Because that is the thing that will sustain you in a dry season. When it's not raining miracles and raining blessing and, and when everyone is not excited and, and no one's going with you and you, you, know, you need help and no one helps you because they need help themselves. And w w the word is the thing that will sustain you. The Satan shows up, Jesus quotes Deuteronomy. Jesus is not like, well, I unhitched myself from the Old Testament. So anyhow, this is very important because, but just, just feel this. Let, let's do feelings for a minute. Jesus tells a story. Abraham is the top guy in the story. God is always looking for a friend. And so anyway, that, that's... Now, we're going to go to Abraham a little bit more. But first, I'm going to read a scripture in Romans, which this is a bonus scripture because I didn't intend to read this scripture. Now, and then we're going to have a crash landing. <laughs> what is a crash landing? I don't want to end. I like preaching. Even if you live, I would preach to myself. <laughs> you know, I would. Okay, anyway. Paul, a bondservant. The word there is doulos. Put that on your business card. Dulos. 
Foot washer. I have that in my little Facebook account. Chief foot washer. Paul, bond servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. Someone who is sent. What, is, what are they sent to do? To colonize. Heaven to earth. Not coercion or manipulation, but love and sacrifice. Power, wisdom, all that stuff that leads to human flourishing. That, that leads to the unearth as it is in heaven mission. Which promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. You see that? You will always hear, 99% of the time, you will hear Paul talking about our Lord, not my Lord, 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 my Jesus, my, 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 everything me. No, 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 our, our, our. Which if we're family and he's the father, it matters how you treat each other. I had to spank one of my children yesterday for mistreating the other child. So it's not okay for us to mistreat each other. This is a house of honor. We're going to honor people in this house. Okay. Three, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh. This is in fulfillment of the prophecies of the Old Testament scriptures. And declared, the word declared there is the word horizo or horizon. It is Jesus has been declared to be the son of God with power by the spirit of holiness, the resurrection from the dead. So what does this mean? This means that Jesus is the place where heaven and earth meet. Because Jesus is the place where sin and death was defeated. Where debts were canceled. Jesus is Jubilee. Okay. To me that's good news. <laughs> Right? Sorry about that. <laughs> Trying to figure out a better one. So, so, anyway. And declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of Holiness by the resurrection from the dead. So this is, this is giving credit to the Holy Spirit here for the resurrection. Now watch this. Through Him we have received grace. Here it comes. And apostleship. Okay, what does that mean? Okay, an apostleship is a ship. <laughs> and on the ship, there's an apostle. And the apostle is the one who is directing the ship. And the apostle is the first one off of the ship. And he is the one who's given the responsibility to make a foreign land look like Rome. That's why if you go to the ancient city of Philippi, they said that Philippi looked more Roman than Rome. So, so there would be more statues, more things. So the, the point would be if the emperor would go to Philippi, he would feel like he's right at home. So we have been sent into this earth not to fly away when you die. I know that's what you want to do. I know that. When are we going to stop paying taxes? When are we going to fly away? No more taxes, no more tithes. No, 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 I understand all that. But guess what? You were actually sent into the earth to colonize the earth with heaven, which means you're powerful. You're not a victim. We're not just hanging on until Jesus comes back. I don't hang out with people like that. You better get that idea out of your mind. We're here to advance forcefully. In suffering, uh, N.T. Wright says, in miracle and in martyrdom, we are going to advance. When times are good, and when times are not good, we're advancing. I don't know what you're doing. We're, we are advancing. So if we're having a difficult day, we're advancing. If we're having a very great day, and opening all types of packages that have arrived at the house, we're advancing. You, 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 get, you, you get the picture? We are advancing. Of the increase of his government and peace, there'll be no end. We are a people who are moving forward with Jesus. He gave grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for what? His name. Obedient faith is not for our name. It's not for our fame. It's for his name. Obedient faith is about his name being magnified. 
His name being glorified. Where, where people respect and fear the name of the Lord. And, and his name is not just taken in vain and, and just used haphazardly. But his name, there's respect. Anyway. So, so this is, the, the resurrection means apostleship. And it means the colonization of earth with heaven. But not through coercion or manipulation or violence or force. But through love, through power, through the gospel, through generosity, through hospitality, through forgiveness, through mercy, through gentleness, through meekness, through healing, through casting demons out of people, through seeing people get healthy to reversing the curse of coming from a broken family unit to building a healthy and solid family unit. Come on. Amen. We are, hate to use the word, but it's, we, are, we are colonizers. <laughs> but we are sent to bring heaven to earth. I don't know if you realize that. If, 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 if the whole mission was for you to just go to heaven when you die. As soon as you get born again, you die. Some of us want that too. We come to Jesus as some sort of escape. Like an escape. No, this is not an escape. This is actually setting you free from what you were always meant to be. People, people wanted an escape. You know, this is not an escape. This is actually get engaged now. Not escaping. Anyway, all right, now I'm going to read you one last scripture and then this situation shall come to an end. This is Romans 4. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. In other words, it is not in your perfection or your performance. It is not in Abraham's perfection or Abraham's performance that he would be the heir of the world. In other words, that this promise to bless all of the nations. Abraham was before the law. When people are like, oh, tithing is old, old covenant. Abram tithed before the law. People don't understand faith. One of the most natural expressions of faith is generosity. It's normal to kingdom people. Okay. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. Because the law brings about wrath, for where there is no law, there is no transgression. This is what's happening in our society. They are trying to remove and change laws so that there is no repercussion or consequence for your actions. They are trying to make it okay for you to change the sex of a child. That's abuse. That's mutilation. It's totally satanic and demonic. And the reason that there's such a heavy push toward it is not because of love or not because of compassion, because of a lobby that's well-funded in an industry that makes a ton of cash. The most corrupted industry in the United States is our medical. Pharmacia, which is the root word of that, is witchcraft. And I'm not saying you shouldn't take Advil, but I'm saying that you have to understand the roots of things. That abortion, medical. Oxycontin, the drug epidemic, medical. Sex change, medical. Abortion, medical. I'm not against medical people, but what I'm trying to explain to you is that is the most corrupt industry, and what makes it difficult to battle in the fight is because there's finances behind it. Because people stand to gain from it, that's why they will fight for it. You have to understand that. It's beyond a moral and ethical issue. It becomes an economic issue. Anyway. So, so this is really deep because what's happening here is where there is no law, there is no transgression. Everything is okay. Just do whatever you feel. No, everything is not okay. Where there's no law, there's no transgression. There, there has to be a law. There has to be law and order. If there's not law and order, then you can do whatever you want with no repercussions. 
I can take you to places where that is the spirit of the environment. I'll take you somewhere like that. You, you think that that works? I will drop you off there, and in one week, you will either be dead, kidnapped, or you will be begging to come home, and you will realize that that is no good. But that's what these people, this generation is longing for lawlessness, and they don't know what they're asking for. Very foolish. Very foolish. It's dumb historically. Therefore, anyway, therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise may be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but those who are of the faith of Abraham. Abraham is not, a, you know, you think of Abraham as a Jew. Abraham was a stargazer from Padam Aram. Abraham was from Iraq. They don't become a nation until Isaac, then Jacob. Jacob wrestles with God, then walks with a limb forever, and then Israel is formed. This is not about ethnicity. This is about faith. This is not about geography. This is about faith. Amen. That's a very important principle. Because if you remove Israel from the story, then what happens is you put them back in the story in an incorrect manner, and then you have the worship of Israel instead of the worship of God, which is why you see Puerto Rican people running around trying to wear yarmulkes and shawls. But what's wrong with you guys? You hate yourself that much? You hate yourself that much? You have white people that, that they want to be, you know, like Messianic and stuff. They have so much self-hatred, they're hoping that they could be Jewish in hopes of being maybe a first-class Christian? That's not what this is about. This is about the blood of Jesus that was shed. And I'm not anti-Jewish or anything. I'm not anti-anything except anti-sin because sin is destructive and lies are destructive and they dehumanize people. But the faith of Abraham is a man who trusted God enough to follow him. How, how can God give someone land who will not even walk with him? Okay. Not only to those who are of the law, which is the Jew, which is the Jew, which is good. We're not against anyone, just so you know. People are like, what is he saying? <laughs> anyway. But also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him who he believed God, who gives life, watch this, to the dead. And calls those things which do not exist as though they did. God said to Abraham, I have, past tense, made you a father to many nations. Have. Before he had, God said, I have. That's why hope rejoices. Because the expectation of what is coming energizes me in the present. And I am excited about the delivery before it comes off the truck. Because it's coming. Amen. Okay? Anyway, now, watch this. This is what I want to get to here. I'm, I'm going to go back. 18. I'm not going to go back. Who contrary to hope, this is it in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, listen to this, he did not consider his own body already dead, necros in Greek, which is like a corpse. It's like a walking, Paul saying that Abraham, it's like a walking corpse. <laughs> um, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised he was able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. So righteousness is this. It's not religious. Righteousness is saying, you're right, God. I agree with you. 
Faith is trust or confidence in God's ability, not mine. Not mine. Which is beautiful because that's freeing. (laughs) I'm not trusting in me. I don't recommend you do that. You will, you will, I will disappoint you, I promise. And you, if you're honest, will really disappoint yourself. (laughs) Okay? So anyway, he hoped against hope. So it was illogical. Sometimes hope transcends logic. He hoped against hope. It's always hope versus hope. It's always, do you believe what you see or do you believe what God said? Because we walk by faith, not by sight. Why? Because many times what I see is contrary to what God said. So what is it that I'm going to choose to believe? See, faith determines what I believe. I don't know if you realize that. Your faith should determine what you believe and what you see. And what you, it should also transform what you desire. But anyway, we're, we're almost done here. So now... This is 23. It was not written for his sake alone, but it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. This is really interesting. I don't know if you, what I love about the Bible, can I tell you what I love about the Bible? The Bible is very real. The Bible is talking to you about an old guy with no kids. And then Paul, is, he, he, goes, he goes into Jesus' resurrection. I don't know if you, you, you caught that. He, he goes from like Abraham hoped against hope. And he was like no child. And, but he trusted that God was right even though his situation was wrong. <laughs> it's like... It's like, it's like so, if you're there, listen, I understand. I've, I've, I've been there. It's not a fun place to be. Uh, but, here's the but. God has the final word. God has the final word. Because what seemed completely over, dead, impossible was not possible. But you have to navigate yourself in those impossibilities with wisdom. Like, for example, I'll use Monica as an example. Monica had a huge debt. Anyone who has a brain and who has an understanding of how debt works goes, you better pay that because this is not going to be good. But Monica did not stop living for God and did not stop living her life. People would have told her, oh, you can't tithe. Oh, you can't go on a mission trip. Oh, you can't do any of this. Are you crazy? What's wrong with you? But guess what? She continued to be faithful to do what she knew to do And then God did something for her that she couldn't do for herself. So it's important that you navigate your affairs and do your part. Don't worry about God. God will do his part. Do your part. The question is not God trustworthy. The question is, are you faithful? So so do your part and, and don't waver. Unbelief makes you unstable. The Bible says that a, a double minded man is unstable in all of his ways. This is what people don't realize. When you're double-minded, you're back and forth. Should I? Shouldn't I? Will I? Won't I? I want to do it today. I don't want to do it tomorrow. You're unstable. You're not steady. You're not resolute. You're not firm. You're uh, wishy-washy like the wind. Wherever the wind blows, then you're, you're this way, you're that way. How you feel today, how I don't feel today. It doesn't matter how I feel. Later, I've got to get on a plane. doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter how I feel. Two hours after getting on a plane, I got to go preach. That's what I got to do. It doesn't matter how you feel. It matters that you're resolute in what you said you're going to do and what you know you should be doing, and you do it. Don't be like that. Be solid. Don't, don't be all over the place. Your kids will see that, and they will not be attracted to your faith if you're all over the place. The world is not attracted to instability in unstable times. The world is attracted to stability in unstable times. Be solid. People are all over the place. People can't decide if they want to be a man or a woman or a boy or a girl. They don't know what they want to do. I'm a vegan one day. I don't, I'm, next day I'm eating dog food. I mean, people are crazy. People don't know what they want to do. 
Have you noticed that? Anyway, I love everybody. I'm not against nobody. Now watch this. Who was delivered uh, because of our offenses? So it's personal. So he is our Lord, our Savior, but it also is personal. Our offenses, what I did, what you did, he, 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 hung, he hung there for you, for me, for us. Who was delivered up because of our offenses now, and was raised for our justification. It's really interesting. But I don't know if you, if you saw all this, but what happened was, Paul is writing about the faith that declares us to be righteous. Not the law. So, so it means that it's not our perfection or our performance that makes us righteous. It is our trust in the Lord. It is in us saying that he is right, not me. But what happens is, when you agree with God, you become solid and you become steady. He hoped against hope, God delivered. And, that, and that, was, that was the model. The model was you got a guy looking at a hopeless situation that is deeply personal and deeply painful. And he chooses to believe God instead of what he sees. Now, look at his, look at his partner. Now, his partner, let me say one thing about Sarah for a second. Sarah laughs at God. How about that for inappropriate? Imagine God's talking to you. <laughs> it's like, it's like <laughs> God says, no, okay. Oh, so you think it's funny? No problem. I've got a great sense of humor too. Your son shall be called Isaac. Oh, you want to laugh at me? Great. Your son will be called Isaac. God is awesome. People don't realize, if you realize how amazing of a person God is, you'd want to spend more time with him. God tells the children of Israel, oh, so you like idols. No problem. You can move to Babylon. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, okay, you want that? You go for that. Yeah, you like that? Okay, sure, do that. Oh, it's funny. We can call him laughter. <laughs> anyway, well, I thought that was funny. <laughs> so anyway, all right, I'm almost done. I, I said I had one more scripture before. This is the last scripture. I apologize for giving you more Bible here. Less opinion. Um, Romans, Galatians, where are we? Just be led by the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 11. This is speaking of Sarah, verse 11. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive, and she bore a child when she was past age, Say because. because. I'm going to give you a key to walking in impossible things. Because. She judged him faithful who had promised. Think of that. The because, everything hangs on the because. What was impossible became possible because she trusted in the integrity of God. Faith is confidence, as my spiritual father taught me, Steve Stewart. Faith is confidence in the integrity of God. So all you need is to hear God. That's all you need. You need to hear God and hold on to what God said. Hear God, hold on to what God said. Hear God, God, how do I position myself to wait for and work toward what you said? How do I expect what you said but with patient perseverance? Because perseverance is patience in motion. So I'm not just waiting. I got a job, I got a family, I got to, got to get up, pick myself up, and, and also keep moving. But, but there's certain things that I'm, that I'm waiting for that I can't make happen but I'm also working toward, so when they happen, I'm ready for what I'm waiting for. You know, and, and so, and anyway, um, disbelief has to die at the hands of faith. 
Unbelief is a choice, not a feeling. It's a choice. Unbelief makes you unstable. Faith is a choice, not a feeling. You have to choose to believe in spite of what you see and what you feel. Okay. Hope is an anchor to your soul. What, what is the point of an anchor? There's several points of an anchor. One, an anchor, let's say you have a nice little boat and it's offshore and you want to go swimming. You, you put the anchor down so the boat remains in that little vicinity with the rope. So, so it keeps you stable. But in a storm, you know what they do with an anchor? Anyone know? Someone? You know what they do? All the preachers, where are the preachers? Oh, man, you, they take, listen, I thought Brett would know this one. Do you know this one or no? Okay. When you're in a storm, though. No. When you're in a storm, you throw the anchor out so it keeps you from tipping and you keep moving. See? In a, in a seat, listen to me now, oh my Lord. In a season, listen to me, oh Father. I'm about to smash the TV and run out of here. I go, oh Father. No, no, no. When you are, when you are, sometimes hope means you're anchored and, and you're still. Sometimes hope means you, you, you have got to go through some real tumultuous waters, but what is going to see you through is what can't be seen, the, the, the anchor that is hanging, that is helping you go through a hard time. See? Hope is the anchor of your soul. It gives you emotional stability and durability. This is very important because what happens is, here's what happens. When you become hopeless, you can easily do irreversible damage. A kid becomes hopeless. God forbid, 18-year-old kid, what does he do? He jumps off the George Washington Bridge. God forbid he dies. He wounds his mother and father forever. They will never recover. They will never recover. You say, oh, well, God heals. Yes, God does heal, but he is gone. Hopelessness can cause someone to do something that is irreversible. You have to hold on to hope. Your life is valuable. Your life is important. You matter. I know that sounds corny, but that's true. You matter. You do matter. So now this is important. Now hope, your heart needs hope to function correctly. Hope deferred, delayed. <laughs> hope deferred means your heart can become sick. So what does that mean? That means that to keep your heart healthy... Your heart needs hope. Are, are you guys with me? What? Your mind. You, you know your mind needs hope? Hope has to be the lens in which you see the future through. Do you understand that everyone is trying to steal your hope? When you go on TV, they're trying to curse your hope. They got the markets on, they got the news on, they got the wars on, they got a new strand of some made-up virus that they're trying to scare you with. They got all, then they got a, 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 the solution kills you. <laughs> it's like, you know, then they're like, well, you can mutilate your children in 37 states, you know, and in some states it's illegal to mutilate your children. How oppressive. <laughs> like, whoa, like, and what they're trying to do is they are trying to take away your hope. You, you watch Hollywood, they are always showing you broken pictures of a, a destructive future. Then the church, oh my Lord, I'm going to go on the church now. Then the church shows you the movie, The Rise of the Antichrist, The Rise of This, The Rise of That, The Fall of This. The church 
They have no hope either. And then they, they will use the book of Revelation, yeehaw, to champion their hopeless outlook on the future. And, and that is a really bad thing. It's like, it's like you go to the hospital and get healed and they shoot you, you know, like, it's like, what happened, you know, I came here to, you know, to get healed and you killed me. This is what the world, the world comes here for hope and we go, well, it's just getting worse, guys, just get ready, Jesus is coming. <laughs> Whoa, it's like, man, I didn't sign up for that, you know, and then you wonder why there's 50,000 people in Joel Osteen's church, Joel Osteen's like, you're going to have victory, you're going to be blessed. Everyone's like, yeah, sign me up for that. You know. Anyway, I'm not against Joel. He's got a tremendous uh, smile. So anyway, when people become hopeless, they can do irreversible things, irreversible damage when you become hopeless. So what, is my, what, what am I saying? Don't become hopeless. Hope against hope. Choose to believe in spite of what you see and hold on to the promise because that is resurrection life. You know that there is, a, there, there is a pattern of resurrection. We talk about the resurrection of Jesus. That is true. That historically happened. Even in Syria, they recognize that. In Syria, they give people off for the holiday of the resurrection of Jesus in Syria. And by the way, Syria was the first place that Jesus was famous. It wasn't Virginia. But you, you have to realize that in, in your life and in my life and in our life, there's a pattern of death and resurrection. You have to die to some things for other things to rise in your life. Here's the lie of the enemy. The things that you have to die to are more valuable than what God will raise. Lie. That's a big lie. Because what will happen is, if you have this mentality... You will not let go. And you will hold on to things and people and ideas and belief systems that you are meant to shake loose so that you can become free. And if not, you, your Christian life is almost like a dog on a leash in his own backyard. You have this beautiful backyard. It's great. It looks nice. But you can't get to it because you're on a leash. But the whole backyard is yours, but you're, you're leashed. You're, you're, and when, when your mind starts to get liberated from hopelessness, and you start to see how God works a death and uses a death to bring forth resurrection and life, then you begin to partner with that process because you have faith in the God who's doing that, but you also see, no, he's actually doing something that is actually worth participating with. In your life, not just like, you know, in like Africa, but like in your actual real life, your day-to-day -day life, there's deaths that have to happen so that resurrection life and things can spring forth. And these are things that you can't buy or sell. These are things that you can, they're priceless. But if we were not, if we're not willing to die to some things, then other things will not uh, rise. And so on today... I, I want to just encourage you just for a moment to really think about, just, just for one second, think about what are things in your life that need to die? What are maybe habits? Maybe things that you say to yourself. Maybe things that you say to yourself. Most people's words are their, limo, their, their own limitations. They set limiting, the, the, everything, the, their own words are their salary cap. And God wants to remove the salary cap. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we recognize your faithfulness and your patience with us. And so it is the desire, Father, of my heart to see your people live 
in resurrection life, in hope against hope, believing what you say more than what we see, trusting that you have a hope and a future for us. In Christ, it's good, and you're going to lead us even in hard times. You're going to help us navigate storms. You're going to know us when to settle down and sit still. Lord, we ask you to be our leader and to be our Lord. Lord, there's marriages that need real help. There's families that need real help. Lord, there's, there's healing that is necessary. There's finances and favor and open doors that are necessary to accomplish what you've put on our life. And so we just trust you enough to keep moving forward, to keep walking toward you, to keep seeking after you. And in our weakness, we say that you're right and we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So I thank you for bearing with this hostage situation here. Um, I want to just make two announcements. One, April 19th, 26th, May 3rd, 10th, 17th, and 24th at 8 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. We're going to have a prophetic school here. Worship, Bible teaching, activation, and discussion. It's not going to be like you have all this homework, or it's, but it's going to be a, kind of like a schoolish environment with dialogue. If you cannot make it, I, that's fine. It'll be recorded, so you'll be able to have that content. So th there's that. And uh, I just wanted to mention that to you to, to really, if you can, plan to be here because it's going to be a good time. We're going to have worship team. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a special moment in, in the life of our church. So there's that. And um, if you want to give, you can give via Zelle or um, on the website rescuechurch.tv slash donate. That's another way. And we also have a Venmo, which is WSJM slash at rescue that's another way that you can give so i wanted to just mention that bless you guys happy resurrection sunday thanks for listening to the rescue church podcast we would love to see you in person for more information visit rescuechurch.tv slash invite